Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to the show tonight. We've got a great light. Great show. I'm really excited about today. Welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'll be your host for the evening, next hour or so. I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, located out of Sacramento, California. We are 35 strong. You can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. If you're interested in our radio show, you can find us at www.californiahauntsradio.com. Talkbata.coms and .orgs. Anyway, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We've got a great guest on tonight, and I'm really excited. This is a, a, a woman from Shingle Springs. She's in the area, well, not quite in the area, but almost in the area. And uh, she's going to teach us about uh, generational uh, generational, I don't, bleh, generational curses and other stuff. Because um, even as a ghost investigator uh, being out in the field, we run into some of these things, and, and sometimes we don't quite know how to deal with them. So hopefully she can give us some insight. But not only does she, you know, we can talk about that, is she's, she, um, she has other expertise in, the, in this type of field as well. So without further ado, I'm going to bring her on, and her name is Katrina Raspol. I hope I said her name right. You did great. Oh. Hi. <laughs> I apologize for, I was... I got to tell anybody who's listening, I probably just scared Charlotte to death because I was late getting here. I had a backup <laughs> of clients and she sent me a message like, okay, we're going. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm here. Hi. It's great to be no here. Problem, on no problem. It's good to have you on. Um, you know, I, I, I've been dying since I heard the other show. And the fact that you're even in Shingle Springs, it makes it exciting for me to have you on. I'm excited to be here, truly, and, and I really hated canceling out on you before. It was just kind of a emergency situation. So when the opportunity came up to make up for that faux pas, it was great. Well, you know, it really you know, wasn't a faux pas. It's not, like you had, it's not like you had a choice. You had no home. So, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, my house burned down. Yeah. And that was the day that we found out that it was actually gone. We had, had evacuated and knew the fire was coming through. But they kept saying things like... Um, Oh, there are some houses that the fire came right up to it and stopped. And I thought, oh, I'm a witch. That'll be me, of course. And then they showed uh, news footage of our house and we're like, yeah, no, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> so so then, that was the day we found out and I had the interview scheduled and I was like, you know, I'm just not going to be fascinating or entertaining today. <laughs> so. I kind of had a feeling, you know, when, when you put the post out on Facebook and I thought, uh oh, <laughs> Yeah, the there went my show. <laughs> and you can't get mad about anything like that or anything because, I mean, yeah, it's a fact of life. That. Like no. that. That's why insurance companies have this thing called Act of God. Yeah, God, God just gave, yeah, God did not <laughs> care who lived in that house, apparently, or, or else it was very personal. So we'll see. <laughs> apparently he wanted you to move, so that's okay. He just wanted you I'm to good move with that. That's and what's funny about, about it is when you look at the fire line, the uh -huh. fire line for that area is literally my house. Wow. So when, you, when you stand in the yard with a camera and do a 360, 
on one side, everything is perfectly normal. All my neighbors' houses are there. They yeah. still have green lawns. They have all their trees. And you keep turning, and all of a sudden, it's post-apocalyptic wasteland <laughs> as soon wow. as you get to my house. So, wow. Yeah. I haven't been up there yet. i got I, I got to take a drive up there. I haven't been up there in a while. I was thinking yeah, about it. A minute. I, wanted to, I wanted to let things settle down up there, you know? Yeah, Grizzly Flats is not putting its best foot forward right now. So give it a few minutes. And <laughs> so tell me about you. Let's hear about your background because you have a really unique background because you, you grew up in Kentucky, right? I did. I did. And, you know, at the time, I didn't realize we were doing anything that you would call magical or folk magic or anything like that. Because, of course, we didn't call it that. It was just what you did. And it wasn't until... I guess maybe 40, 50 years later, when I really started hardcore studying, studying folk magic, then I said, wow, that's, that's what we did. This was our life. You're, I'm reading this book and it's just, yep, yep, did that, did that, did that, did that. And so we were just good Christian folk. We didn't uh, consider anything we did to be paranormal, but we were absolutely what I would say now working spell work. And I had been, a, you know, this is how sometimes not self-aware we are. I had been an active witch and had done spell work for probably 30 years before I looked back on what my mom and her sisters and uh, her parents did and thought, huh. <laughs> so that's where I was raised from there. You know, I married a serviceman and we traveled all over the world. And I had always had a profound interest in the paranormal and that kind of jumped out into an, an interest in folk magic and witchcraft. So I had the, uh, the honor to study all over the world with many different types of uh, energy movement and loved it. It really amped up when I got to England and then Southern California and then up here. And I lived in Sacramento for a long time. How cool is that? I have like a similar back background, not in Kentucky, but um, my grandmother was a culandera and I didn't know it. Nice. That my is mother told me stories about, you know, about her curing people and doing all this stuff, you know, enchanting over her and, and all this. And it never occurred to me until I read a book about, like you, you know, I started, I read this book and I thought, wait a minute, that's what she did. But I never pursued it. I just thought, okay, that's cool. You know, I kind of, I kind of kick myself now. I teach classes on Bujaria. And when I teach those classes, I would say most of the time, a good third of my class is Hispanic. And they they say, you know, I can't believe I have to come to a white person to learn this because my family <laughs> won't teach it to me. They won't yeah. talk about it. And so there's a lot of not talking about it. And as I'm describing limpias and, and rubbing eggs on people to cure them and the spiritual cleansings that I do, I have a lot of people saying, yeah, my grandma used to do that. Or they used to take me to an auntie who did that. And so it tends to make a lot of um, information and memories fall into yeah. place. It makes sense, but it's not widely discussed. It's a cultural thing to not really uh, go into it too deeply with people. And unfortunately, that's resulting in the practice being lost. And it's such mm -hmm. a beautiful, vibrant practice and effective, very effective. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, the other show, I know I mentioned their name. I don't know if you are out here. Really. Um, we, you were talking about generational curses. And let's I talk don't, about some of those. I don't see those as often as people think that they have generational curses. 
-hmm. A lot of times what happens both with generational curses, which follow a DNA line uh, versus just personal curses. Um, a lot of times people want to blame their poor choices on being cursed. And I see that quite a bit, but I also see curses quite a bit. The general, generational curses are a little bit more rare. They have a very distinctive arrangement of the egg that sets up. When you do the, the cleansing of the limpia with the egg, you can see mm -hmm. a, that the generational curses have a really thick base that goes up into a conical shape and then a giant ball on top and it'll perch over top of the yolk. And so that DNA curse is gonna follow or that family curse will follow DNA lines. So if you're adopted, or you are the one of four kids that actually has a different parent and nobody is talking about it, you may not have that result like your siblings did. And also back in the day when generational curses were more prominent and the rage, they programmed them in very certain ways. So what would happen is they would say, okay, the firstborn male of each generation it is not going to be able to have sons or not going to be able to have children. The Every female in the line will be unable to be fertile. And they'll, so they'll set it up in a very particular nomenclature with boundaries and, and guidelines for the curse. And since you don't know what that is, you don't know if they're cursing every other generation, every female, every male, every third male in the family. And so you, you just clean up each person as they come along. So what exactly is a generational um, curse? That is where somebody, usually a while back, because it did fall out of favor when we as humans developed much more effective ways to go after each other. But uh, even 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 50 years ago, what would happen is someone got very angry and would do focused spell work in order to affect the downline of a particular person they want to punish. And in the Bible, in fact, there are some pretty strong generational curses in, in Psalms. Uh, there's one, I believe it's 109. I could be speaking out of turn here, but they curse everybody you came from. They say, we want your mother's name to be erased from the face of the earth. They curse right. your children that they will wander the world fatherless. I mean, it just goes on and on and on <laughs> all the way into explosive diarrhea. I mean, they get very specific about what they want to have happen. And that's the hallmark of a generational curse. You're saying, I want this to happen to this segment of people in the downline. And people don't today, I think, have enough patience and forward thinking. They are very personal. I want to curse you. I want your finances to be wrecked. I want your relationships to suffer. I want you to go mentally ill rather than and your, your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids. <laughs> so that's what a generational curse is, is what follows a DNA line. And how far back can they go? I mean really depends on the strength of the practitioner who was using the energy to do that. And it's interesting. I was just stepping a toe into a Facebook discussion yesterday, big mistake where a number of people were saying a curse has no effect if you don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. And that really is a very novice approach 
it's kind of like if you said uh, global warming has no effect on you if you don't believe in it. You know, <laughs> you don't have to believe in a curse for it to have a profound effect on you. So um, just like that, you know, it, it's got to do with how strong the practice is. Now, back many, many years ago, curses weren't disputed. They were known. Everybody knew you could do this. And so they tended to have more power because they didn't have to fight through the webs of people ignoring the curse. Mm -hmm. And um, they're, they're like, yeah, probably I got cursed. <laughs> so again, the acknowledgement of the curse is important, but you don't have to believe in it. So yeah, it's just got to do with the strength of the practitioner who is delivering the curse. If they're good at what they do, they can just keep it rolling. So once you figure out that there is a generational curse on somebody, what has to be done to remove it or, or you know, what are the steps that, I mean, do you do the steps or there's a two, a, a two time thing where they have to do steps as well? You know, I have to kind of out my publisher here. So I'm going to just do, commit uh, like career suicide here and say that when I wrote the book on crossing, which was the latest mm -hmm. one that just came out, Mm -hmm. I had all of these details in here for how to rid yourself of curses and hexes and crossings and any form of psychic attack. And it involved having someone assist you with a cleansing to get it all out. And my publisher said, my editor said, you know, there has to be a way you can do this on your own. So we're, we are Llewellyn, we're self-help. Tell me how to do it on your own. And I said, well, you really can't. You can't effectively do this on your own any more than you could effectively cure yourself of cancer alone. I mean, you need to have at this point a specialist who's able to help you out, who know, who's trained and knows exactly what they're doing. Well, you know, we're Llewellyn. We have to have how to. And I'm like, okay, here's a ritual bath. Slush it on yourself when you go to, to take a shower because they needed an answer but really it's yeah. about having someone professionally do it and that's not with just any curse some curses you can burn an uncrossing candle or uh, soak in a ritual bath and have it pull it out but okay. if you've got a hardcore course you a curse you have to have somebody who's familiar with this technique that can do it for you how long does it take depending on how heavy the curse is i can usually get about any curse out in 50 to 60 minutes. If it's an easy one, 30 minutes. And some curses, if they're poorly done, are not hanging on very well and I can just pluck mm -hmm. them out. Those are the ones that would do well with just a ritual bath or burning a candle for a few days or something like that. But if somebody knows what they're doing and they've used the hooks and gotten it really deeply embedded in you, or if you've had it for a long time and it's gotten really comfy in there, mm -hmm. um, it, it takes it takes a while to get it out. You've got to really coax it. And we use an egg cleansing to pull it out. We use uh, Reiki energy and just really going into what their energy is doing and why, looking for cold spots, looking for areas that have really dense toxic energy around them. And you just have to basically perform psychic surgery and get in there and wiggle that out, encourage it into the egg, and then close it up away from the client. Fascinating. And my, another question I have is, um, I've, I've been on investigations where people feel a heavy heavy weight here. Is that because whatever it is that, that that's going at, I'm not going to say going after them, but whatever it is that's affecting them is, is trying to get to the solar plexus or, 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 or why do they hang out here? 
you know, the solar plexus is a really strong target because the solar plexus is the place of your personal power. If a disincarnate, whether it's uh, an, an entity or a spirit or whatever it might be, can get through your solar plexus, they mm -hmm. can start to minimize the impact you're going to have in that situation. And so they do tend to go for that. That's very... Uh, very observant that that's what it could be. And, you know, there's different types of entities. We have entities that come through just to absorb the energy of a person and sit inside them like a little parasite and get fat, dumb and happy on their joy, their prosperity, their good fortune, things like that. And then we've got uh, entities that are perceived as uh, spirits and they react a little bit differently. Another thing going on with the solar plexus and the, the weight that you're talking about is yeah. if you've got somebody who's extremely empathic, a lot of times the way that they relate to energy that is external from them is through the solar plexus. And so it could be a reaction to their energy field to what's outside rather than something the entity itself is doing. Interesting. Um, I got a question in the chat room. Does the cleansing need to be repeated ever? Sometimes it does because what happens is we go in and we get a good clean. And if it feels like the edges are clean, so to speak, we'll usually mm -hmm. tell them, give them a set of instructions, just practice good self-care, act like you've had the flu for a couple of days, pay attention to what goes on the next month and uh, let me know if you need a follow-up. But there's sometimes when you get the egg out, the egg is just destroyed. And you know that this has been a long time problem in there. We may have to go in and do some further cleanup later. So what I like to do is go in and just do a basic clean, see how they heal. Sometimes they're, for lack of a better term, energetic immuno, um, immune system will heal the rest. And if I need to go in there and do more repair work later in two to four weeks, I'll do that. I don't mind, certainly. So it depends on the the severity of the case and also re-exposure. You have some people that you know you're sending them right back into the same environment that caused the problem in the first place. Now curses, we're talking about DNA curses. There are curses that you can get just from exposure to an extremely negative person. And so if you're partnered with that person, person or that person is your roommate or that person is your mom or somebody that you're going to be back in contact with a lot, it's right. just like if I took a little girl, put her pretty Easter dress on her, send her out to play, and she jumps in a mud puddle. I'm going to have to clean her up again. Right. So we really, for repeat work, we're really looking at, you know, what is the environment they're going back into? Or was this possibly something they picked up a long time ago, and they're living a healthy, energetic life now? Cool, cool, cool. And, you know, how do people end up calling you i mean because i mean people have sicknesses now there's a lot of depression going on so how can people tell if that maybe there is a generational curse on them well the thing is that a lot a lot of people really and i kind of mentioned this at the beginning there's there's a segment of people a type of person who really kind of secretly gets off mm -hmm. on the idea that there's a curse on them and so that's their default is, oh, you know, I can't keep a job. All of my relationships are crap. I'm tired in the morning. I must have a curse. And so sometimes I'll get people that I know, just like with the ER, you know, that they're frequent flyers. They're going to come in with every cough and sneeze. And then I've got people that come in looking at me really confused and saying, look, I don't even, I feel right. weird saying this. 
but I think productive, I get blocked. Or every time I try to have a relationship, it you know ends up going sideways. And sometimes they are. Most people, my belief is based on my years of experience, most people who have never had a cleansing likely have a curse somewhere in them. It's just that common. That's interesting. I never thought about it that way. You know, I, I never, I, I mean, I've heard, like I've heard of generational curses. My dad would joke because he was Hungarian, you know, and he would even get mad at people and, you know, he'd, he'd wave his hand at somebody and go, may the five forms of this form on your body and, you know, da, 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 for the gypsy curse and all that. But I never really looked upon it as, as being a thing. You know what I mean? Well, that's some heavy stuff right there. <laughs> and, and certainly there's some cultures that are far more given to curses and yeah. throwing them around than, than other cultures. In America, we usually don't, or I would say the European side of America, they don't talk about that too much. They're usually not the ones that are saying, well, I'm mad now, I'm going to curse you. You know, they'll burn your house yeah. down, hack you to pieces or <laughs> blow up a stadium near you, but they're usually not going so far as to know how to appropriately, for lack of a better term, construct a curse for you. And I used to laugh about it that when I worked, it, I used to originally started doing cleansings in a swap meet. Mm -hmm. You know, but you know Denios, and right. I was I was the witch of Denios, man. I did uh, my cleansings there, and if a white person came in and said, you know, I'm feeling a little weird, I think I might have a curse, or I don't know something, I would sit there and talk to them about personal responsibility. I would say, okay, well, let's look at what's going on with you exactly. Now, how can we work some changes with this? Look, here's a life or a candle to live a better life. If a Mexican person came in to me, Hispanic person came in and said, hey, I think I'm cursed. I'm like, I'll get my bag <laughs> because they probably are cursed. That there's a frequency there of, of curses and good ones going around. And like Is a Cuban. Uh, right. Puerto Rican, Hungarian. Yep, I'll get my back. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it true too that and this is something we found too over over the years you know, investigating is that sometimes people just want something so, something to make them feel better too. It's they do. And of, my yeah, my thought well, on that always is who cares? I mean that I used to feel bad about that at first. I thought, what if I'm really not doing anything? What if I'm genuinely just rubbing an egg on a person and how right. creepy and weird is that? <laughs> and then I thought, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm pulling something negative out of them into that egg, getting them cleaned up and healthier and, and energetically happier. Great. If I'm not doing anything except rubbing an egg on them and they feel better and they feel like they got another chance at a different level. I win. That's great. That's they it. win. That's great. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, when people think of curses and stuff, when we think of it, the, right away, TV comes to mind. You know, you you got Marie Laveau in, in the back room or, or some witch in the back room and they're doing this and the dolls are out. And all this. I mean, is, is that real? Yeah, sure is. You have plenty of magical paths, spiritual paths, um, witchy paths cultural paths that will not blink an eye at cursing somebody who has wronged them. That is the natural response when it happens is, well, guess I got to curse somebody now. And that part is real. Stick the doll, stir the cauldron, you know, uh, make the power grid, send out the curse. 
Yeah, that that is absolutely real. But the most common place we're in America where we get cursed today is on the on ramp to a highway or merging <laughs> on a highway. Road rage is a form of psychic attack because somebody's in your blind spot. You cut yeah. them off. You know, you do, you do your little wave. Oh, sorry. And they're like, ah, you know, and they throw this huge burst of negative energy right personally at you. Everybody keeps driving. They forgot about it 10 minutes later, but you've got this stuff you're carrying around with you. So there's, there's lots of ways to attack somebody. And I think you're right. Cause there's so much negativity out there right now. Um, you know, it's just, it's hard to avoid it. It really it is. is. We also have a buttload of people right now who are empathic, who are normally not empathic. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that, now we've got people who are born empathic and they have to struggle with this and manage it all through their lives to separate out what's my energy and what is the energy from the people around me mm -hmm. so that they are uh, only feeling their own feelings as opposed to their neighbor's feelings or their kid's feelings or their partner's feelings. And uh, so that's normal empathic, but now the herd is at risk. Now that we have challenges to human life, mm -hmm. both from COVID and also from the div divisiveness around mm -hmm. us, now that we're at war with each other and at war with the disease, the entire herd poked its little, little meerkat head up and went, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. So we have all of these people who are suddenly empathic and they're not used to it and they're not good at it. So it's like when rich people become poor people and they suck at it. Mm -hmm. They don't know about things like grocery outlet and yard sales and stuff like that. It's the same thing with being an empath. There's people that are, are new empaths are terrible at it. And so they have this onslaught. They don't know why they feel angry all of a sudden. They don't know why they feel sad when there's no reason to feel sad. And it's because they're suddenly empathic when they're not used to it. And they are a lot of the people that are coming to me to get cleaned out because it's not just curses. It's also traumas. It's also exaggerated emotional response because what I do is just going to get you back to baseline. So it's just your energy. So it helps with that too. And yeah, you're right. People are just, they're scared. They're angry, you know, and they're reactionary right now. Have you had an increase in, in, in requests since all this has been going on? That's why I was late to your show. Okay. <laughs> Every day that I work, I'm working, you know, 10, 11 hours to uh, just keep my schedule down to where it needs to be and still work on everybody I feel like I need to, to help. Absolutely. Well, I, I can understand that. I can understand that. Question in the chat room is how do you dispose of the egg when you're done? Oh, this is fun. So, Theoretically, by tradition, what you do is you wait until what's inside the jar dies off. Mm -hmm. So you have an egg in a jar. You have different, it's like reading tea leaves all, all sort of, because you'll have the egg form different shapes in the jar. Mm -hmm. And that tells you what you got in there. And you leave it in there until it dies. And that when it dies off, everything kind of turns white and collapses over the yolk and looks all gross. And so then, you know, it's it's done. So then you you are supposed to release it into a moving body of water. Well, I kind of figure flushing it is a moving body of water. And so <laughs> we, we put it in the toilet. 
we then pee on it because we need to assert our dominance over what used to be in there. And then we flush it away and wave goodbye. That's awesome, especially if you know who especially if you know who cursed you. <laughs> yeah. Piss on you. <laughs> Piss on you, yeah. <laughs> and what's cool is that most of the time the eggs I do are for clients. I have right. a network of healers that we can say, okay, yeah, I know who did this because I've seen their work over and over. Sacramento is a hotbed of people cursing each other, believe me. Uh, you have all these witch wars, wars going on and mess like that. And right. so, you know, oh, I know who did that. Hi, remember when we met at Pagan Pride three years ago? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's funny. on YouTube. <laughs> so here's another question. And this, I don't know if this is sarcastic. If it's who I think it is, it's probably sarcastic. So every Karen is sending a curse <laughs> because they have a problem. Yeah. You know, it depends also on, on how do you take it. Now, let's right. talk about that, that Karen idea. If I'm okay. working in retail and I'm used to these types of people coming up, I want to see your manager and just complaining and I'm blowing it off. Yeah. I am deflecting that psychic attack. If I'm new and this is my first day to work at, you know, um, Home Depot or something and somebody comes in attacking me because they don't know where the paint section is and I Welcome it and take it in. Yeah, that's a curse You know when you're next to your negative roommate who will not stop complaining and it's just right. on and on and on that affects you energetically It's like secondhand smoke. It'll go right into you. So yeah, a lot of them Karen's out there cursing like yeah, they're cursing so that was my next question was, how can you, you know, when you're out in the world, how, how can you protect yourself against this stuff? It's a really the, the greatest thing are amulets, sprays and visualization techniques. And we have to do that a lot. Like I said, I'm a part of a, a strong network of healers. And so we look out for each other. Sometimes we will um, uh, look at one another and notice it before the other one was. And our, t our term is, man, you're looking a little bit dusty there. I think we need to get you cleaned up. And, and so that just means, you know, you pick something up when we're healing somebody and, and cleansing and working on them energetically do even doing Reiki, we don't shield because we want that full impact of energetic interaction with our clients. And so if they've got junk in them, sometimes we'll pick it up incidentally, but, um, Amulets, there's different, like I'm wearing the, the evil eye, a Nazar amulet. There's uh, different stones you can wear that are protective. Mm -hmm. we, we use bracelets and things like that to protect ourselves um, just to stay nice and shielded, but also sprays like the fiery wall of protection sprays. And uh, there's one called no more monsters. It's really good for entities. If you're, if you're really uh, a good medium, and they won't uh -huh. shut up at night so you can go to sleep. This helps give you a little buffer so that you can sleep. And uh, then the last oh, thing. into that one. Okay, go ahead. You yes. said, yeah, I'll help you out. So, <laughs> and visualization, you know, just meditating. But if you're going to go into Walmart and you know it's going to be a zoo in there, but you have to go in for something, right. man, you get your visualization going like, I am in a shield of armor, armor nothing can penetrate this. Or I'm rolling around Walmart in a hamster ball. You know, nothing, yeah. none may pass. <laughs> you can't get through my hamster ball. And uh, just a cloak of invisibility. Whatever works for you as your visual, visualization technique to keep you safe and shielded is what's going to help. And then grounding after a thing like that. Wash your hands. 
hold a black rock, hug a tree, get your feet in some dirt to discharge excess energy you pick up. Do people have to be careful? Like, okay, you're driving your car. Okay, you're getting it's your turn to get on the freeway. Okay, you're driving your car. You, you get you get cut off by some little dude in a sports car. Do people have to be careful when when they're yelling at people? I mean, is it because uh, does there have to be intent behind it to to make it a curse, or do you have to be really I think, careful? I I think that this comes down to personal accountability and responsibility. You know, it's like picking your battles. You know, do you really need to scream at that person? Mm -hmm. Do you really need to curse at that person? What is that going to change? What is that going to help? And I hang a, a protective amulet or a wand from my rear view mirror that acts as a lightning rod for anything coming at me. <laughs> and that helps a lot too. But, uh, you know, it's again, personal responsibility in any interaction, not just driving. You know, what am I going to gain from, you know, yelling at this person on Facebook because they disagreed with me about something. Mm -hmm. What am I going to gain by making my kid feel bad that he made a mistake at school? It's about picking your battles and knowing when to step up and be an impact and shoot that kind of energy at somebody versus, you know, this is not that important. I don't have to have my voice heard this time. So it's, it's personal choices as well, because our words have impact. They have power. If we think about the last time we knew a secret that we had to tell somebody like I'm pregnant or your partner is cheating on you. And for those precious moments before we drop that bomb, we are filled with power. We're about to change that person's life. So voices and words, man, heavy, heavy power. We got to wield it carefully. Question in the chat room. Does she sell the amulets? Oh, I've got some, but you know, I'm the first person. I'm kind of like Miracle on 34th Street because I say, yeah, I, I have them, but you could also get them here. You can also get them there. Um, I I do sell the the Nazars. I, there's this one little thing. I wish I had one right here, but it's a called a demon head amulet. And it's a, a Chinese water chestnut uh, pod that always grows in the shape of a little demon. And they're really wonderfully protective. Uh, even the iron, super protective. So if you have uh, like two iron nails together in a cross, really good uh -huh. protection. You can even make your own protection. So yeah, I sell them for people that don't want to go to that trouble. But if you just sit and, and wind a string into a ball and say, this protects me from anything that could harm me and just really put the intention in there, that'll work uh -huh. as great as anything I sell you. Oh, interesting. I keep saying interesting because it is. It's absolutely fascinating for me to talk to somebody that, that actually does this kind of work. Now, how much protection do you have to do to yourself before you take this stuff on? Well, I'm not like most healers. I'm kind of a hold my beer kind of person. Uh, my <laughs> husband is the one that's very uh, new age and very pure of intention. And just he's our yoga instructor. He's our Reiki master. He's just very high vibing. And I'm just sort of John Constantine with a cigarette hanging out, you know, like, here's a mirror, get in there, Tina. <laughs> so I just don't shield a whole lot. I just clean up afterwards. So I'm always the bedraggled one that's going up to my friends going, I think I got a demon in me. Will somebody clean me out, please? <laughs> so, followed me home, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went in after this guy and, and his, his, his demon bit me, man. So... I'm probably not the best person to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
like my medium Gladys is across the room right now. And she, I know I'm not even looking at her. I can feel her eyeballs rolling to the back of her head right now. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me about one of the hardest cases you, you've had to, to, to clip? I used to hate to do exorcisms. And as I got older, I stopped doing them. And everybody thinks that exorcism is going to be cool. They think you're going to be taking holy water and flinging it at somebody and the person's going to be floating and, and making all kinds of, you know, cool no noises. And you're going to, you know, just the power of Christ is going to compel them and all this. When really an exorcism is you hanging on to somebody for about four and a half hours while they poop and vomit and call you names and cuss at you. And I just decided I was too old for that. But uh, yeah, I would say the exorcisms were the roughest where you're actually now sometimes it's a it's rare you come across an actual exorcism when you do an exorcism. Sometimes you really are just going through the motions for the people involved so that they feel comfortable and confident and safer. But when you're doing an exorcism and you actually do come across a demon infestation, that's pretty freaking scary. And you can't show any fear. You got to just be standing there just screaming them down basically. And that's when you find out that they're not, at least the demons I encountered, not especially receptive to Jesus as a foe. <laughs> they see Jesus as very docile and very loving and very forgiving. But interestingly, if you bring up the Blessed Mother or you bring up Santa Marte, they all of a sudden realize they got a cake in the oven or something because they just boogie out. They're like, oh crap, she's calling mom we got to leave. And so that always brought me more results. So I would say of all the cleansings I've done, that's probably the one that was the scariest when you say the hardest. Now, as far as the work that I did that wasn't physical, one of the hardest was a gal, I'd say it's about four years ago, who brought her mother in and it was a, a Hispanic family. And so they were very culturally patri uh, um, patriarchal. And so the husband was having an affair and the mom had been married for like 40 years to this guy. And the, the mistress was working magic on the mom to kill her and had also done some binding work on the dad. And so I'm here trying to heal this whole family. The mom had almost no life in her. She could barely walk when she came in. So there was lots of healing, lots of cleaning that had to be done. That took me about I mean, the first session she was doing much better, but it took me about six or seven months to get her really cleaned up and stable. And a lot of that was because I was sending her right back into the family home. I mean, she's going right back to where she keeps getting hit. And so we had to build her right. up over to them. And she wasn't going to leave. That wasn't going to happen. So that was probably the one I put the most effort into as far as hardest. But the scariest one was, yeah, always the exorcisms. Right. I had a friend, I have a question about this. I had a friend who um, went to visit her family at the cemetery and she was walking past her grandmother's grave and she got attacked. Oh, I'm sorry. My husband just texted me. Ignore that sound. She got attacked. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she sure. Got attacked. Sure. So could that, could, I mean, what would that be about? Well, that is a different kind of, of psychic attack. <laughs> My husband's okay. text message says for the king. It's just what we do. Anyway, it's all good. Um, the, that's a different type of psychic attack. You right. know, when a psychic attack uh, comes from a living person, there's usually malice behind it. 
as far as you did me wrong or I don't like how you are in the world or you hurt my sweet little feelings in a YouTube comment or whatever it might be. You know, it's real personal between the two of you. Usually when you get attacked in a cemetery, however, that is just because you have got some lunatic sort of restless spirit wandering. And people think that because you die, you somehow become enlightened and, you know, join the ether and, and everything's great. But really people that die are just as dumb, mean, angry, and crappy as they were when they lived, especially if they're already psychopathic or mentally ill and they hang right. out in cemeteries and, and you can absolutely get attacked. And I've had people that get attacked by people that died that didn't like them in life. You know, they just can get around easier now because they're not encumbered by physical bodies. Right. Absolutely, spirits can attack you. I'm not sure I would call that a curse specifically, but I would call it a psychic attack, definitely. Okay. Now, here's my question. What is the difference between a curse and a psychic attack then? Psychic attack is an umbrella uh, sort of label. Mm -hmm. So if you think about Christianity as an umbrella label and under you got Protestant, you got Catholic and Jewish and all the different denominations, psychic attack is just a blanket term for all the ways you can beat the crap out of somebody energetically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, can you feel, um, and I know I've, I've, I've had contact, no, I'm not saying psychic attacks, but contact with real strong psychics where even when I'm on the phone with them, I can feel that energy coming through the phone. Can you feel that, like, if somebody's psychically attacking you, like, like say it's somebody you know, can, can can you feel that energy coming off of them if you're in the same sure room can. with them? Sure can. Another thing you can feel is when somebody's taking your energy. So that's a similar feeling to that. When you're up against somebody, it's kind of a black hole, and you can just mm -hmm. feel yourself winding down more and more and the energy going toward them. It's like that in reverse, because they're just pouring this negative energy at you. And it's people do it all the time where they walk into a room. Oh, what's what's wrong? Are you upset? No, nothing's wrong. But you can just feel that they're angry. So that's right. a minor form of it. Absolutely. People are better at reading the energy of others than they think they are. Interesting. Wow. I can't keep saying interesting. People are going to yell at me. Stop saying interesting. But it is. It's. I'll say fascinating. How's that, guys? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'll take interesting. Wow. Let's go interesting. It's a good word. I'll go interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I sound like Mr. Spock the whole time. You know, fascinating. Um, Worst stuff can happen to sound like Mr. Spock. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your classes. What classes do you teach? We teach everything here. And in fact, one of the things we do at Crossroads is that all of our classes are free. The only classes we charge for are my husband's day-long Reiki certifications. Everything else is free. If people want to give donations, they can. But like Gladys teaches a class on practical parapsychology. Uh, Gladys, Debbie, and I teach a class called uh, Conjure by Candlelight, which is where we all sit around in the dark with candles. And you've got a minimum of three long-term magical practitioners with all the newbies who can just ask any questions about anything they want. So somebody will say, how do you use a pendulum? And we'll show them how to use a pendulum. How do I make a power grid? We show them how to use a power grid. Um, I teach uh, healing classes that are locked up. I mean, that's a, a private class that goes on for almost a year. And uh, I teach a class called Primal Witchcraft, which is the nuts and bolts of doing different spell work. Gosh, we've got uh, 
so many different classes here. It's just, I'm doing a disservice even trying to mention some of them because there's so many. We have full moon drummings, which of course is a spell work of its own. Just all kinds of, of different stuff that we teach. Intention gardening even, even gardening classes with intention. So you're putting spell work into plants. That's cool. Um, yeah. For somebody that might be afraid of opening up, what? how do you help them with that? Because I know there's some people that are, you know, sometimes, you know, once you open that door, it's not only nice things that are going to come knocking, you know what I mean? You're going to come through. That's very true. And a lot of it is the intention with which you go into that experience. If you're going into it well shielded and not looking for trouble, you're probably going to be okay. You know, if you're somebody that comes in and goes, Oh, what's a Ouija board? Let's play with that. You know, that's like Parker when Parker Brothers said, hey, let's make a chainsaw and give it to little kids, you know. Yeah. It, you know, you've got to know what you're doing. And when if you're just coming in and just starting to learn some basic spell work, starting to learn the personal responsibility and ethics of magic and things like that, you're going at enough of a pace that you're not going to get tripped up or get in over your head. The main thing is having a qualified teacher who can guide you through what you need to do or finding a great book that really hits on the fine points of protecting yourself as you go along. The problem is that a lot of people want to, in the effort to make it super woo woo, want to make magical practice as scary as they can possibly make mm -hmm. it sound when really it's a very natural process. You're at a much greater risk of infiltration going to Disneyland for a day with all of those different people who are having all kinds of different intentions around, you know, magic is about your intention and what you're putting in there. So I would say to somebody who's having trouble opening up or scared to open up, really look at whether or not it's even time for you to open up. Should you be doing this right now? You know, what I see more and more is that people come to it excited and happy and, and fascinated when it's time, if they're coming at it, feeling scared and, as though I have to drag them into it. It's not time for them to do it anyway. I used to teach, uh, I don't do it anymore though. I used to teach basic psychic development classes. And I know people would get frustrated with me because I, you know, I, I would do it step by step and they would get really frustrated. But it was because of this opening and closing the door thing because you get people that want to jump right in and the next thing you know, all this stuff's coming down on them. Well, we're an instant gratification society. I wrote right. a book called uh, Tarot Made Easy. About No, that's a lie. I didn't write that Nancy Garrett. <laughs> I wrote Tarot for Real People. Uh, I'm to her. I'm going to tell her. Ta yeah, talk to her. She's my I'm buddy. Tell her. I'm telling <laughs> on you. I, know. Tarot, I highly recommend Tarot Made Easy by Nancy Garrett. <laughs> anyway, Tarot for Real People <laughs> is the book I wrote. And I don't even get into how to read the cards until about six or seven chapters in because I spend so much time teaching people get to know your deck. What do, what do you feel when you look at this card and this card and this card and what, you know, and so I'm one of those, I'm a Virgo. I'm one of those slow ass teachers too, where they're not going to get a huge gratification payoff until they run through the paces of learning how to take care of themselves. Absolutely. I agree 100% with that. I, I know people would get frustrated with me and I'd, be, and I'd just be like, no, you really don't want to open that door until you're ready, you know, to have it fully open. There's plenty of teachers out there that'll just throw you into the deep end and let you swim. And anybody who wants that level of instant gratification 
isn't cut out for what I do anyway. You know, this is not exactly. an instant fix. This is this is the long con. This is taking your time to get to where you need to be so that when you get there, you're able to work it effectively rather than having to jump right in and, and you know, ace it from the beginning. You can't do it that way. It's a practice like anything else. You don't jump right into surgery when you're going to med school. You take a lot of time working your way up to it and learning it. It's a discipline. Now you've, you've been all over the world studying this stuff. And sure have. Earlier we talked about Marie Laveau and Voodoo. What is probably the strongest form of magic that 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 that, that you've seen in your in, in your travels? Hmm. hmm. Well, a couple of comments, of course, because I'm verbose. One of those is that what is strong to one person is not going to be an impact to another person. Now, when I was in Westminster Abbey in England, I felt steeped in magic to the point that the hair was going up on my neck. I was having a really profound reaction. I went to Stonehenge and didn't feel crap. It felt overplayed, chewed up, didn't get anything. Same thing for, for instance, Winchester Mystery House. I went there all amped up and just ready to, to go to bat, man. We're gonna have some heavy duty stuff went on the Halloween flashlight tour. Come on, bring it, bring it to mama. Come on, I'm ready. <laughs> and just zero. It felt so neutral to me. And everybody else that goes there gets this really big high. So I'm just going to preface by saying different people react to different things. And uh, so for me, I think one of the strongest magic, now I'm a Santa Morte devotee. And she is the strongest divine figure I've ever worked with and very communicative and very right now. She gets the job done. Mm -hmm. And so that that's a pretty strong magic that I felt. Um, I, I got to go with any of the um, African traditional religions mm -hmm. uh, like hoodoo. Um, help me out here, Gladys. Conjure, any, any form Santeria. of conjure. Santeria is incredible. Yeah. It's not my path, but I've been in the, the rituals, which can go on for days. I don't even want to do anything that feels good for days. And this was just <laughs> grueling and amazing at the same time. Um, I've, I've felt high-powered magic in Pentecostal churches. I mean, when they're talking in tongues and raising the serpent, man, the hair will go up on your arms. Um, so really... I have a lot of people say to me because they know what I do and because I come from Baptist beliefs and things like that, Pentecostal beliefs and my family and stuff will say to me, how do you know that what you're working with is the real God? And what I tell them is if you have to question that, you've never been in the presence of God before. Mm -hmm. And I have felt that holy presence in forests and in cathedrals and in pagan circles and in conjure uh, rituals. I mean, that there is a heaviness that comes in when God is present or when the divine is present. And so when you ask, you know, what's probably the strongest magic I felt, you know, I felt it in a lot of different weird places. So it'd be hard for me to really qualify that. But, but yeah, you know, it's really about the intention and the knowledge of the person you're working with. And, um, and what they're bringing in. What are they bringing to the table? I can agree with you about England. I, I mean, I was there as a kid, but I mean, the energy in those cathedrals is something else. 
when you're in there. Also, yeah. Yeah. Um, along that note, too, when I was at the, <laughs> the last thing, I, I, I went to the Winchester Mystery House. And one of the things I said, don't tell them a ghost hunter, don't tell them this. And I expected there to be like a lot of energy, too. And to yeah. me, it felt like a mortuary, that kind of energy. Yeah. Is that yes, That's what it I agree. I agree. And I even kind of made a probably didn't, but might have snuck into some places where I ought not have been there. <laughs> Just again, look at poking, looking around like it's dark. Yeah. You can't see me and what I'm doing. And so just looking for, hey, maybe this is just the beaten trail and maybe it's tired. What if I take this little side street and check it out? What if I go and it just nothing. Now, the gardens of Winchester Mystery House, those were popping. That was a little busier, but inside the house itself, I, it just felt like some tired old woman. Yeah. I didn't yeah. feel, yeah, just like you said, mortuary. It was just quiet. Now, there was a, well, there still is, it just looks different now, a cemetery in Grizzly Flats that's off the freaking hooks. This place, man, it has an unconsecrated burial ground on the other side of the proper cemetery and those graves go i mean the, the main cemetery is graves going back to the early 1800s and all the way up to 2007 but then you get over the barbed wire fence and into the unconsecrated grounds and i'm telling you it is crazy back there really intense energy and uh one of my friends was going back there to do a cow tongue ritual i mean the cow was not uh there presently but it's tongue was and so she was working on her uh on her tongue and doing the incantations and stuff like that and her girlfriend and i were supposed to dig the hole where we're going to bury this tongue and so the the person told me i want that tree and we're looking man there's this closer tree that's really cool she's like no that tree way out there so I'm like okay so we go out there and start, uh, I, actually I was supervising and her partner was digging and her partner starts digging and we're here like clink, clink, clink. And there's some other witch's witch jar there. And I'm like, oh, how wow. did you know that? <laughs> and, and so evidently we were not the only ones who found that area to be especially empowered. It, it was pretty crazy. Do you think, um, and I've noticed this in a lot of popular haunt, supposedly haunted places, do you think that they can get that the ghost can lose interest in people coming out there? One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, you know, if they're there to make a point, that's one thing. If they're there because they're imprinted, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't think most of them are there for a dog and pony show. And so when it gets to the point that they've become an, an attraction of some kind, unless you get got some narcissistic spirit that actually does want to live on in infamy by being seen all the time and heard all the time, yeah, I think they leave. I don't think they hang around in places that are renowned for for being haunted. That's just or, been my or, or my other thought too on that was that 10, 15 years ago they were more active in these places. And now that there've been more people out there, show me, tell me your name. Do, 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 they just don't want to deal with it. Oh, I think they roll their eyes at us most of the time. Yeah. I really do. And it just turns into, like I was mentioning Stonehenge. I imagine Stonehenge used to be completely crazy with energy. Uh -huh. And it was just like a chewed up old piece of gum. There was just, 
It's been moved. It's been handled. It's been seen by thousands and thousands of people. And there was just nothing left. It was to me, it was a beautiful bunch of rocks, but right. Just not even a mile down the road is Woodhenge. I don't know if you, yeah. So Woodhenge, that thing was crazy with energy and it was amazing. Very much different than Stonehenge. So I do think it, I think it gets played out. You know, I think that the imprint of humans, we're, we're more damaging than we think we are and just pushing our energy through it over and over, you know, can wear it out. But like I mentioned, it sure didn't do that with Westminster Abbey or the tower of London that, I can't imagine how many people have walked through there over the last several hundred years. And that oh, yeah. was just, Oh man, I, I could Lots hardly energy. Hampton court. I, I went through, there was almost nobody there. It was raining. We're walking through Hampton court in the, the haunted gallery and I can all but hear Catherine Howard screaming down that hallway. It was, it was really intense. And I thought, why aren't you Winchester mystery house? How did, you know, why are you still so active after all this time? But so I don't know, I guess it's just individual or something because all the places I went to over there were really intense. And everyone I've gone through over here, there's like, Oh my gosh, the diamond Springs hotel is so haunted. I'm like, yeah, some old dude and his dog in booth 13, big deal. You know, a couple of kids. Yeah. Running around. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I know. I found that too. And then you go to some places that aren't popular and you mm -hmm. hear little kids laughing and screaming and making noises and trains going by and all kinds of mess. So I, I don't pretend to be an expert. I just know that that's what I've experienced. Yeah. I just think, you know, with all the interest in ghost hunting anymore, I just think that the ghosts have gotten to the point where it's like, let, let them walk around. We don't care. We're not going to do it. Yeah. Well. Good luck. Like dog and pony, right? We're tired of performing for these people. So good luck and, and all that stuff. So right. if somebody feels like they um, are under attack by anything, how, how do they get a hold of you or how's that work? You can go to crossroadsoccult.com. That's usually the easiest way. That's our website. It's got our phone number on it. I don't do phone consults because I have Meniere's disease and I can't hear well on the phone, but yeah. I do great with email. And if somebody just clicks on, contact at crosswordsoccult.com that's on the radio or on the website it'll go straight to me and i can talk to them there but uh and it's sad because everybody wants to do a phone consult they love that i just right. i can't do it because i talk over them all the time i end up saying what 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 and not fun <laughs> i'm like that too and the, and what about zoom you do stuff over the uh, over the computer I lost it. Broke up. Tell me again about okay. them. <laughs> Why are you staring at me? Do you do stuff over the computer with Zoom? I, I did for a while, but what happened is that when I offered Zoom consultations, I had this slew of people ordering Zoom consultations when they had no idea what Zoom was or how to use it. And so I took <laughs> it down because I got tired of having to give a tech class for 45 minutes before I could even get them onto it. So now it's just emails. They can also call and talk to Eric. He knows everything about what I do and, and he can give them the rundown too. And he hears just great. So there you go. You know, there you go. Yeah. I, not no zoom anymore. My gosh. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I got to talk to you. I learned so much from you. I was and I want to contact you about taking some classes. Oh, you got to come up here and see the shop. I want to go and up there and check you guys out. Yeah. In fact, I, got, well, I, I sent you. you an email. I was up there a few years ago before you guys owned it. 
Yeah. And I have you a were at other different moon shadows, weren't you? Yes. And That's I have a different a front, page, front page photo on my website where somebody had gotten yeah. was taking pictures of uh, of ethereal um, goo. And I have this great photo of this thing that looks, that looks like a lasso coming down. And I said, God, can I use that? I have nothing for the front of my website. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have that. But, yeah, so I, I, I want to get up there and check you guys out. Yeah. Maybe we could weekend trip or something, you know, to get up there. What are your hours yeah. up there? Well, right now we're having weird hours. For September, we're closed on Wednesday, Thursdays because we needed time to work on the insurance for our house and get into a rental and stuff like that. So for September, we're only open on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays from noon to 8 p.m. Normally, we're open Wednesday to Sunday. So starting October 1st, we'll be back into Wednesday to Sunday, uh, 8 p.m., or, or excuse me, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. And also, our class schedule is on the website. So if you okay. go to crawfordthecult.com, there's three different places where you can find our, our printed schedule that'll tell you all the different classes we're doing. And again, people will say, hey, there's no prices listed here. And that's because our classes have no cost. Awesome. I'm definitely going to come up and see you guys. Come see us. This, come this see is us. cool. You have yeah. good energy. I like your well, energy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming on. And at some point, let's have you on again to talk about more of this stuff. You know, that would be a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you right, so thank much. Thank you so much. You have a good thank evening. You. you too. Okay, bye, bye bye. All right. That was a great show. Man, I learned so much about this stuff. I've, I've heard about stuff like that, like working with the eggs and whatnot, and never really talked to anybody about that. So that was really cool. I want to thank everybody for coming. We're going to be doing a show Friday. We never do Friday shows, but this week we're going to do a special Friday show. And that is going to be with Dr. Linda Bachman. And she's going to be on talking about past lives. Um, I heard her on another show, and she's got some really cool info about past lives that I had never heard about. So we're, I want to be talking to her about that. So you guys are welcome. But Friday is going to be a noon show because she's, she's, she's in, in central time, and she's got lots of appointments. So we agreed to do noon. So we're going to be here noon on Friday. Um, and again, I want to thank you guys all for coming. If you see the ticker at the bottom, um, we are a nonprofit doing this stuff. So I really appreciate any help you can give me. It's all coming out of pocket to afford StreamYard and my internet and all that stuff to keep the show on. But you, you know, if you feel it in your heart to donate, that's PayPal.me at California Haunts. It'll go directly in, 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 the, in the fund, and it's, it's only used for, for, for radio stuff or equipment that the team needs, you know, Whatever, like I said, we're nonprofit. Also, we need subscribers on our YouTube page. The issue we have with our YouTube page is that nobody can find us. So the easiest way to find us is to go to our website at www.californiahaunts.com. Uh, sorry, ha, I'm all right. See, I get confused. www.californiahauntsradio.com. And click on the video, and that will take you to the YouTube site, and then you can subscribe from there. Because what happens is if we get a certain amount of subscribers, then they're going to allow us to get our own URL, which will go directly to that page. And that's what that's what we're working towards. So if you could do that, I'd appreciate it. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you didn't like the show, share it with five of your enemies. Doesn't matter. As long as we get the word out about the show. And you guys have been really good about that. Everything's building up. Our downloads are building up. It's, it's been incredible the last couple months. And I want to keep that flow going. Again, thank you guys for coming. I'm going to go ahead and show you uh, Katrina's contact information and her books and where to get them. And that way you guys can see that. And then I'm going to close off here, and I will see you guys on Friday. So here we go.
websites Katrina's Katrina Raspel.com, Crossroads Occult.com. And her four books are coming up. And those are available at Amazon.com. So you guys can go ahead and look for those books. Thanks.